There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Bobo and Flex show. My name is Bobo and I am your host and I'm with the beautiful Flex. Hey, bitch. I'm your resident optimistic nihilist. Every day I'm reminding you of your mortality, reminding you to get your titty sucked, and reminding you to get your ass ate. Okay. Uh, Flex is here. Flex, what are you here to do? Um, I'm here to remind people to stop lying to themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Through one honest confession per episode at a time. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. I've been airing myself. Should we have our own confessionals? TBH. I love. I love that. Uh, we should actually. We should have that conversation in our Facebook group. I'm gonna ask people to air a confession, mm-hmm. a secret, a truth that they're scared to let out. Um, and I think that would be a good way to start the year. Yeah. Since we're get now to chest. start the decade. Relax. Yeah, to get things off their chest. Speaking of, today's episode will be a Q&A. We got a million, billion, trillion questions. So what we're going to do is we're going to, we got a lot of questions about dating and sex. So we're going to have this episode be our dating Q&A where we're all, we will answer all of your questions about relationships, romance and sex. And in our next Q&A, we'll answer all the rest of your very existential questions you guys are like a very philosophical and existential bunch i love it um so yeah flex should we get into it let us get into it what is our first question let's see all right i resonate with this one as a turbo bitch How (laughs) how do you stop yourself from attaching to people too soon and too hard I only find that one tricky because I, what's a good way to put it? If we were to to describe my approach to most things, I just want things to be done. I want to be sure. I want to be certain. I want things to be complete. There's no time where I feel good about having pending anything, no pending jobs, no pending conversations. If you want to do something, it needs to happen right now. I'm the same. So what I struggle with in like the earlier stages of relationships is being in this really gray area where you're neither here nor there. Are you together? Are you not together? Mm. Is this important? Is this unimportant? Is, do you have a romantic stake? Do you not? And so I tend to kind of, um, I don't know if manipulate is the right word, but I I, demand clarity. Yeah. I like project like a, a more secure state of being and then communicate that projection to get to a point where like, we're done and I think from from insecurity of like the the in-between state I rush to a more secure state and then form a false attachment because like I can kind of bitch loose any day of the week I don't really mind because that's not the kind of I like I live a very flighty lifestyle all the dynamics of my life from childhood are quite flighty and like here and there we live here we live there we go there we do this yeah so I, I'm not really like 
people are like mm, whatever to me but i've i've been um a victim of that mm, i don't know if victim's the right word look yeah i get you though I would say anytime you are trying to encourage yourself to do something that is unnatural to you, it's going to be difficult. So the only way to stop yourself from forming an attachment too soon is to fight against your base nature of forming an attachment. And do you want to be a caricature of yourself to do what? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, who are you trying to impress by just not doing what you want to do in that respect? Like, what's the difference between I fell in love with this person or I formed an attachment in two months versus six months? There's no yeah, award Well, that's what I one. was going to ask, Kay. Mm. That's what I was going to ask. Like, why do we need to fight that instinct? Mm. Like, why not just... I don't know. I think if this question is driven by fear, then... Because it depends on, like, why you are fighting against your natural human instinct to form attachments really soon... Um, but if that's driven out of fear, because I think we all form attachments relatively soon, mm-hmm. just on varying levels. Uh, if that's driven out of fear, then I would actually urge you to lean into that attachment. Like let yourself fall, throw yourself in pussy first and let yourself get hurt because it's only in doing that that you'll realize that you actually won't die. Like you'll be fine. I can't see I can't see what the disadvantage of falling in love. I'm a really romantic person though. So I don't see what the disadvantage of falling in love or f- getting attached really soon is. Whether you get attached today or tomorrow, you're going to get hurt and you'll <laughs> probably get heartbroken. So why not just <laughs> fall in and allow yourself to do it? Like what what do you have to lose? Period. I agree. And I'm not really a romantic person either, but I feel like so much of living and being alive is just like pain and heartache and frustration and like insecurity. So if you have the ability to like take love or like be loved, then just receive it. And if it doesn't work out, then find it in another area. You know what I'm saying? Like we're not above wanting to be loved. And so if you have the privilege of being loved or being intimate with someone, um, then why wouldn't you just appreciate that? I love that. Look at me evolving. Look at us. Never (laughs) again. This one I feel like is super interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yes. How do you deal with getting over someone you didn't actually date? <laughs> this is <laughs> this is Bobo's for all the clowns unrequited I know. love territory. <laughs> for all the clowns, uh, welcome to the circus. I just think this is something we all do. You know what I mean? Like yeah. embrace your clownery. Um, how do you get over someone that you didn't date in the first place? In the same way that you get over someone that you did date, Legit. you just sort of have to, yeah. <laughs> you just sort of, distance is the best cure for heartbreak, honestly. Like, if you're heartbroken over someone, it's not going to help you in any way to keep scrolling through their Instagram mm. feed and to keep texting them and to keep having sex with them. You have to distance yourself from them until you're in a space where you can see them without you know, exploding. You know what I mean? And that might take a month. It might take five months. It might take a year or three years. But you need to just, because out of sight, out of mind, honestly, is how that works for me. And I'm a bitch who's always falling in love and a bitch who's always heartbroken. Like, I feel like I'm just just constantly in that space of being heartbroken. 
So it's not really a big deal for me. Like it just takes time. Mm-hmm. The only thing that heals heartbreak, the only thing bigger than heartbreak is time. Come on, Auntie. So just, you know, <laughs> and wean also, yourself off from him yeah, you and don't, give yourself time. Don't pressure yourself to get over someone in the healthy way either. I feel like it's hard for yeah, people because they're yes. looking for like <laughs> the healthy, like Instagram approved way to cut someone loose and get over them. But do all the things you need to do to make this easier for yourself. Like yes. if you can't cut off cold turkey, then wean yourself off. Like acknowledge that, you're being a fool acknowledge that this isn't your place to feel some kind of way to the extent Mm. that you are and then just see it through and eventually like with all things you'll just get over it and i feel like um for most people myself included my emotions control me i don't necessarily control my emotions um and so when it comes to times where i have to like keep my thoughts or emotions in check i'm not really that good at it so um the best thing i can do is acknowledge or try and um interrogate what it is that i'm actually feeling and why i feel so strongly so in this instance what a great time to ask yourself why do you feel so attached to someone who was never yours to begin with like what is that entitlement it's a good one to unpack um why if like the chances of you finding somebody else are quite high given like statistically like not even like i'm not talking eight million people in the whole wide world but oh sorry i burped but generally like um if you if you can register this feeling of heartbreak or dissatisfaction it means you probably felt it before and you will feel it again so move on to the Mm. next you know what i mean like honestly and just allow yourself to feel it like mm. it's actually okay like you will absolutely be fine I just think um, one of the easiest ways to get over heartbreak is to stop trying to get over heartbreak. Mm. I just like for me, I just find it's one of those things that it it goes away by itself just gradually, just because that's how things work. And I agree with you so much of like, stop trying to do things the healthy way, like not everyday health. Not everyday health. I remember, (laughs) you know, I remember like years ago, I was heartbroken over some boy for whatever reason. And I told my best friend at the time, I was like, I'm going to block him on every platform. I'm blocking his number. And she was like, that's so immature. Like, you need to grow up. And it was like, no, no, no. Don't let people tell you that your coping mechanism that works for you is immature. Like, if you need to block someone on every platform just to stop yourself from exploding, then do that, you know? Mm. Like, you be it. I'm trying to think of um, how I've gotten over somebody... Or how I get over people. And I think truly it's getting validation from another person just to take their place. Like I don't think Ooh, like I yes. in Yeah, from memory, I don't think I ever did anything consciously to not that I don't think I did anything consciously, but I can't quantify or pinpoint which conscious act led me to get over someone. But the distraction of somebody else filling in their place definitely helps. Yeah. And then from there, you do the help. Get yourself a rebound. Yeah. Yeah. No, get a rebound. Get a rebound. Do what you got to (laughs) do. We actually have another question here, which is, is there any way to truly get over a breakup with someone when you're still in love with them? What What do you think of this? I mean, I guess we'd have to define what get over is. I feel like if you still love them, then you're in it. (laughs) There's no getting over. Um, Yeah. I do think it's possible to fall out of love with someone. Yeah. 
Like I've definitely been in love with people and now I'm not in love with them anymore. Mm. Um, I have a friend who believes that once you love someone, you love them forever. No. I'm not that bitch. Have we had anything yeah. forever, ever, except breathe and blink? Yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> I personally don't believe that. Like if I fall in love with you, I can fall out of love with you too. Watch it's it just, happen. <laughs> yeah, watch it happen. Don't Don't play me. So yeah, I think... There's a lot of fear. I think when you're in the throes of heartbreak, it feels like it's going to last forever. Like that's what really makes it painful is the illusion of permanence. Yeah. Um, but that's just what pain does. Like pain is a really stubborn emotion. It demands to be felt. It's very self-centered. It's a very obnoxious emotion. But you have to understand that it's just like any other emotion. Like you can't believe any of it you know it'll come and go and it's not permanent nothing in this life is permanent in the same way that the person that you're out of the person that you've broken up with now at some point you thought you would be together forever and now you're not so in the same way that you think you're gonna be heartbroken (laughs) forever (laughs) you're not so like nothing's forever and that's really like consoling Mm. and human history will show you that what makes relationships really hard for people like fundamentally or the thing for me that was a game changer is just getting out of the scarcity mindset heartbreak feels so much worse when you really think that there aren't enough guys on this planet for you or there aren't enough women bitch there's eight billion of us on this planet alone you will find someone better it just mathematically adds up that way like statistically you will find someone better. Just relax. And also, I feel um, like when you're in these situations that you're feeling like sad or you're you're concerned, because the question was how to get over somebody. Mm. And I, I think that uh, a better way to frame it would be like not how to get over someone, but how to like remove the neg- like the emotion or the negative emotion from it. Because really, like yes. the, the hardest thing about getting over someone is when you feel sad about it, you know, or when you feel like guilty mm-hmm. yeah. or fearful that you won't f- find somebody else. I mean, unless you're talking about like this person's a catch and they don't have them anymore, that's a different thing. But for the for the majority of us, I feel like it's just the emotions around feeling sad about not being with someone. And feeling like you won't be happy again. Um, and to that, I would say Google the happiness set point. I was talking about it a little bit on my story however long Ooh, ago. Yes. But essentially, it's the idea that um, every human has like... An equilibrium. Like an equilibrium, I guess. Like it's every human has their own general level of happiness. And each of us has our own happiness set point. So some people have a really high set point where they're generally quite like on, happy, resilient, easily like happy. They find it easier to recover. They find it easier to balance their emotions, all that good shit. And people have a low set point, which means you might be more prone to feeling anxious or depressed or whatever. And when you um, reach a state of extreme sadness, it's hard to come back up from it. But like with all things, they say psychologically, no matter where your set point is, no matter how your set point spikes based on like really amazing events or really traumatic events, you will always bounce back to your medium to your general normal point, point yeah. no matter how you feel. So I would say in this instance, like feel what you feel, go through the motions, but just know that regardless of whether or not you want to, you're going to get over it because your body will you get over will, it, literally. your mind will get over it and then you'll have to follow suit. 
us. Yeah, we also just don't have the attention spans to stay fixated on pain forever, you know, <laughs> so unless true. you really don't have serotonin <laughs> at all, which is very, very rare. And if in that case, you can get antidepressants. But if you don't, you just don't have the attention span to be mad over some boy with halitosis for the rest of your life. Like your brain literally will not allow you. So you'll be fine. Like, just relax, let yourself feel it, go get a rebound, block him, do what you need to do. Enjoy. How do you ask out a guy without coming across as desperate or too available? What do you think of this? Hmm. I mean, I don't think now is the time to rant, but we have to stop <laughs> conflating, like, being assertive with being desperate desperate if i mm. if i walk Speak into mcdonald's and i know exactly what i want why am i trying to act like oh um <laughs> be coy know, um <laughs> what are your recommendations <laughs> or wait for this wait for the checkout person to tell me what i want i know what i want it's very clear to me i came here with intention i'm i'm highly aware what i'm after and what i expect to leave with so much so that if i leave check my my order and it's not all there i will i'll go back so yeah literally <laughs> okay two things though rant aside number one people are insecure and we love to feel validated i don't care who you are and yeah to be asked out is like the height of validation everyone loves that shit even if they're not interested everyone. in you they're going to love the way you've made them feel and they will let you yes. down easy if not they will say yes to your prop like your proposition um yeah number two let's get out of the habit of being passive characters in our own life. You know, let's say life is a script and you play the leading role. Don't make yourself, you know, a, a, a what you call an extra. Like, you know what you're after. Do the things that you need to do to get you so to where you want to be. It. Like, imagine if I told you that the, all you need to do to get this person to be your partner is to literally ask them out on one day. That's all you have to do. You'd be like, oh my God, yeah. it's so easy. So go do it. <laughs> literally because it it's just not that complicated i feel like for me personally if i had listened to all of the people on twitter talking about don't ask a guy out you're gonna look desperate men like to be chased i would honestly be in mcdonald's like yeah. i asked my boyfriend out and now we're together and we're happy and growing and no one died you know <laughs> he was gassed I was gassed when he said yes. Everyone's gassed. Everyone's gassed. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, you just can't be taking relationship advice from Twitter feminists who tell you that being assertive is being desperate. Like, no. Yeah. It's Desperation just... is when you're begging someone. Asking someone for something Please. is never desperate. Yeah. Like, yeah, I just... Like, relax. And to be honest, like, asking somebody out is the easy bit maintaining the relationship yes. if you get to that point will be the hard bit thank you so thank if you don't you. have the range to do the simple simple task of expressing interest then i would assume you don't have the range to be in a relationship and that's not to even, even shame it. you know but i feel like it's like i understand that everybody knows that dating is complicated it's confusing um there's a lot of like contrasting narratives happening about how you should or how you shouldn't um, but if we all decided to navigate dating, being just like a little bit more vulnerable and a little bit more assertive about what we want, then this like lack of, um, understanding of how to do it would just, it'd be eradicated. The best way to ask somebody out is the way that makes you most comfortable. 
And yeah. if you're never comfortable asking someone out, then the way to ask somebody out is to not do it. <laughs> if you're not comfortable with it, then then why the whole, like, how do I do it? What's the best? There is no best way. You do it or you don't. I'm screaming. And also, this kind of, like, turmoil that can um, evolve from being in this uncertain area of, like, I'm not sure how to do it. How, like, who? I'm asking my friend. I'm asking my this friend. I'm asking my guy friend. I'm asking my girlfriend. Whatever. No. That period, you can drag it on for months. You know, you have to imagine, like, that stuff manifests terribly in you. This uncertainty. Oh, yeah. This anxiousness. Like, you could feel that way for months or in a five-minute window – ask somebody out they could say hey you know love your work but i'm actually seeing someone or hey yeah. love your work but i'm really not dating at the moment or hey love your work not interested and then you go mm. about your day because now you know like now you don't have to be burdened by the turmoil of uncertainty yeah i agree with that entirely <laughs> there's this one guy who i think about a year ago he i could tell he was into me but he never like asked me out and then fast forward now I'm in a relationship and he's just like, I can't believe you'd be in a relationship when you knew how much I liked you. I was like, but you never shot your shot. Mm-hmm. So now look at where you are. Yeah. So this whole uncertainty, waiting around, asking everyone in the time that you're doing that, the person you have your eye on would have moved on. Bye. Like they will have, they're now with someone else who had the courage to ask them out. Meanwhile, you were playing. You were playing hard to get, being coy, playing games. Like relationships are not a game. Like none of this shit is a game. And I agree with Flex entirely in that if you don't have the range to ask someone out, you definitely don't have the range to be in a relationship with someone. Because maintaining a relationship requires a lot of teaching and asking people to do things with your full chest. A lot of hard so, questions, like so much harder yeah. than you go on a date with me. It's like, literally, <laughs> you know, like, like, mm, I can't even begin to explain. So yeah, like the asking out is the easy question. The rest will be hard. Don't make your yeah. life harder. We're looking for big Don't enjoyment where we can find it. <laughs> um oh this is a good one somebody wants us to talk about Mm. attachment styles i thought about doing a whole episode on this but really like what is there to say (laughs) that we could just like rattle off in a few minutes (laughs) um so i will do what i always do and ask google yes because why would i butcher it when i could just ask the internet so Mm. basically attachment styles are birthed or conceived from the attachment theory, which is a psychological model that describes the dynamics between long-term and short-term relationships between people. So um, generally, or like uh, theoretically, it was used to describe how children, children's attachment to their parents formed the way they saw other relationships. So if you had a parent that was more negligent, then you would um, evolve in a different way if you had a parent that was more nurturing, perhaps. Mm. But more recently that, um, that what's it called? That model has been like reappropriated to talk about like dating styles. Basically you can be attached to people in like four different ways. There are more or less, but generally there are four different ways. So there's a secure attachment style, which basically means that you feel like confident, reciprocal. Um, you're not like reacting to everything. You're being um, quite like 
measured and mindful about what's happening. You're not quick to anger. You're not overly emotional. You're not skeptical of your partner. How you respond to your partner is in a very logical and rational way. And that's not to say you're not emotional, but you're not skewed. uh, Your emotions aren't skewed negatively. Um, And so most of us, or if not all of us, should be aiming to have secure attachments to people. You know, like we want to feel secure in ourselves as individuals and not derive value from being with somebody else. Though it's Mm. hard and often people find that some relationships are easier to be secure in than others. And it's not a one size fits all. So you might find that in your platonic relationships, you're super secure. You know where you stand, you know what your value is, you're assertive. But when it comes to romance, you might be all over the place. The other attachment styles, um, the next one is a dismissive avoidant attachment style, which means that you, you're the kind, a dismissive avoidant person is usually emotionally distant. The kind of person that doesn't give too Mm. much for fear of it being taken away. So the kind of person's like, you know what it is? The kind of person's like, I don't even, when you're fighting, oh, I'm fine. Cause like if we broke up tomorrow, I'd be fine. I'm cool. Like it's chill. I don't need this. They're usually yeah. ambivalent. Like you could go here or there, like stay with me, leave me. I don't care. I'm good. You know, they like to isolate themselves from the relationship dynamic as if um, their feelings aren't swayed by how the relationship goes. So like, it's kind of the person you just don't want to date because they're telling you that you're here yeah. or you're gone. It doesn't matter to them. They're good. You know? Yeah. You'll feel very unloved. That's it. And it's just, it's not to say that people are inherently dismissive and avoidant, but certain behavior can trigger them. So that might be um, a coping mechanism for someone. They might have found that they'd been abandoned by people all throughout their life. And now they've thought, you know what? I don't need, I don't want to derive my value or my safety from other people. So whether they're here or they're gone, I don't need it. I'm good. And that you can, and you can see that very Mm. clearly in a lot of people. Um, the next one is fearful avoidant, which means yeah. that this person will push you away because they're scared of you going. So they can, you can find they have a lot of internal conflict that, um, that affects their outward behavior. They're overthinking. They're like, um, they're in their head, you know, maybe they're going to leave me. So I'll leave them first. Um, maybe they don't love me. So I'm going to tell them I don't love them first. Maybe they, maybe they don't want to be me. They don't want to introduce me to, they don't want to introduce me to their friends. Maybe something's happening. Right. You know, they're very unpredictable in their behavior too, because you could be talking to them and then they've had some time alone and all of a sudden they've conjured up a thought. They've made a movie in their mind. They've come back like, Oh my goodness, you probably don't love me because you picked up the spoon, you know, with that hand and you put it <laughs> in like all this shit, you know? And it's really yeah. hard to deal with because they're not going to be forthcoming about what they're feeling but the the result of their actions are going to be causing you problems because they can't help but express it it's hectic and then you have the anxious attachment style now anxiously attached people are they generally have a fear of losing you a fear of being um uh, a fear of being they're abandoned. Quite they're quite mm. needy or aggressive. They have a lot of emotional highs and lows because everything is everything is inherently setting them off. They're fearful and anxious that you don't love them or that you don't have a good. They they're fearful and anxious that you don't love them or that you don't want to be with them. Um, they generally have a very negative self view of themselves and a very positive self view of other people. So like I'm unworthy yeah. and you're amazing. Why would you want to be with me, right? Or, you know, or like, why wouldn't you be with that other girl or that other person? They're so pretty. No, and I'm, I'm yeah. not like, I'm this and I'm dumb and I'm, I'm emotional and you don't want to be with me. Right. Right. Um, usually when, um, they can be quite clingy, but usually when, um, not usually, but 
it can be seen when like you need space from them they will perceive that space to be really detrimental like you need space yeah, Why do it's you like need you space? don't love me anymore you don't love me because yeah. if you if you love me we could hang out right what's the problem um or this idea that you know this person that you're dating if i'm actually attached to you i have fears that you know you'll let me down you're gonna leave me you're like everybody else you're gonna you're gonna break my heart you're gonna make me really sad you know you're not gonna yeah. be there when i need you and and that you know it's a lot so in most if you were to review your close friends or um, yourself or the partners you've had, I think you might be able to identify some of these characteristics you can see in people. Not like not to say that like just because you perceive it in that way, it might be true because you might trigger that in somebody. But it's a very easy way to see um, or to get an idea of where someone's at. Now, I know for me, I'm generally a secure person. I'm like, yeah, like is this way, in everything like? romance and friendship yeah pretty much but in friendships i'm the most secure because i know i'm very aware of what i bring to the table and it's very easy to see why you're valued by a friend if it's not spoken in plain english the way the dynamic plays out will show you i find that romantic relationships kind of um exist in a formula and so it's really hard to break the expectation of like how you should be behaving in a romantic relationship oh i was literally about to say that yes like literally absolutely to a t that's it so like if if i have a friend who doesn't message me often i'm not i'm not triggered that's fine yeah but also your partner doesn't message you well what's happening Um, like is this normal is this not normal yeah that's it but if anything i'd be uh so i'm secure and then i'm an avoidant dismissive person so i it's nothing to me so like if this is where i can be super avoidant so let's say i'm having conflict with a partner and it's something that we've discussed more than once so for me it's like this should have been resolved and it hasn't been i would sooner be like you know what i'm not talking about it anymore i'm done i'm leaving yeah like i'm not having this conversation more than once i've talked about it it's not being resolved don't talk to me about it until we're gonna meet like let's both leave and come back and revise how we're communicating and then solve it. Yeah. So like when, when me and a partner or like when I'm in, um, yeah, when we're in conflict mode, I would sooner be like, let's separate or worse. I don't care because like, I don't need, like I know the consequence of caring too much is being so emotionally wrapped up and I already can't yeah. manage my emotions very well. So I don't want to get to that spot. So I'm like, let me just back away because I don't need this right now. I'm the same. I feel like I don't need this right now. Very avoidant. Yeah. (laughs) No, I feel I feel like I'm the same. Although for me, it happens in steps. Like generally, I'm pretty secure. And now we're talking about romance. Generally, I'm pretty secure. But then, as soon as like a conflict arises, that's when I become anxious. So my reaction to the anxiety of like, oh my god, this person doesn't love me anymore. Like, oh my god, what's happening? Is to address the problem. And so if now I've addressed it three times and nothing's happening, that's when I become dismissive. Like, that's when I'm just like, well, I'm not talking about this anymore. Now I'm done talking about it. It is what it is. It's whatever. Which is... Period. (laughs) Not healthy at all. Yeah. The point... not healthy. Yeah. And the point with attachment styles and what I kind of didn't understand when I was initially researching it is that I thought um, your attachment style was how you just behaved all the time. Yeah. But different people's behaviors can trigger a different attachment style in you. So I find when mm. somebody is unnecessary, unnecessarily um, needy or clingy, whether it be um, romantically or platonically, I become dismissive avoidant. So I pretend Same. that I don't see 
what they're responding to. So generally people are clingy when they feel you pulling away, right? You're pulling away, let me latch on. So I will deny pulling away. And then dismiss that it's happening. Right. Which is yeah. definitely gaslighting. <laughs> but we must be self-aware. Yeah, it's indirect gaslighting. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's what I would do. Because I know if somebody's already highly emotional and I know that I lack tact sometimes. So I don't want to be responsible for saying something that sets somebody off. So I'll just be like, I don't, what are you talking about? Like, am I, I'm yeah. here, right? No, I do the exact same thing. If I didn't care thing. about you, would <laughs> I be here? <laughs> it's so fucked. <laughs> I do the exact same thing, but then I think, well, what's the alternative? Mm. Like, what else? If you're being clingy, because also chances are, if someone is being really clingy and to you, you find that they're really needy, mm-hmm. it's because they expect more of you than you're able to give them. Yeah, 100%. So, like, you know, realistically, like, what are you to do? I just don't know what else you could do besides being... I guess you could just be honest with them and be like, fam, I don't have the time or the energy to give you what you want but if you don't want to but that type of conversation tends to ruin the relationship yeah i mean to be i think we talked about it in an episode where i was like i i think oh i think the question we answered was like what's one unhealthy trait that you like in people and i said i like clean and needy people because i have that thing about being valued and being valuable i'm into that yeah it's the unnecessarily unnecessarily clingy when people um where people are letting their own insecurities separate to you dictate how they are Mm. responding to you so like let's imagine if i was like to my boyfriend oh you know like um my friend said that she sees her boyfriend seven days a week and i'm seeing you one day a week so what's that about yeah. You know, now, we, yeah. now we're going to hang out six more days a week, right? Because if we, if we, if we don't, then that means we're not working out, right? And then you start bringing in these other, other things. Like that I can't deal with. That I'm like, well, that's not my problem. So yeah. unnecessary is the key word. And it's not unnecessarily generally, but unnecessary to me. Um, and it's tricky though, because although I do think communication is like the best policy or whatever, I feel like um, often, like I'm the type of bitch who wants to like, talk about things as soon as they happen but i'm finding that that's not the most constructive way to deal with things because when people are overly emotional and they haven't interrogated why they feel the way they do in response to your behavior they just go around in circles fighting for i struggle with that though look because i don't get i'm just like if a problem's happening now why can't we address it now i hate the waiting like (laughs) i really I'm like, why can't we do this now? I often find that, like, the problem is always clear. You know, like, you understand what the problem is. Like, let's say the problem is that my um, love language is um, words affirmation and you don't affirm me. That's the There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
problem we all know it that's Mm. clear in order to fix that problem i need to affirm more but that might not that might not be the trigger and we want to understand what the trigger is as well like what is Mm -hmm. is it in my behavior that's making you think that the affirmation is the problem because i don't think we're that self-aware as people to know that when we're highly um triggered that we know exactly what it is you need time to to break it down so it's like maybe maybe it's not the lack of affirmation but it's the fact that you've been a bit cold recently and being cold yeah. coupled with not affirming me, coupled with being dismissive or being critical. Now that's triggering me. Now I'm feeling anxiously attached. So it wasn't necessarily the affirming, yeah. but the the unruly combination of all of those things is now causing problems. Uh, I agree with that entirely. And I also think that what makes attachment styles hard is that We all exist in our relationships inside our bubbles. So no one knows what's normal and what's Mm -hmm. not. And so your boyfriend buys you a gift once a year. Your friend's boyfriend buys her a gift every week. Your friend, your other friend's boyfriend doesn't buy her gifts at all, but he talks to her every, talks to her every day. And you just don't know what is normal. Like, and that's something that I struggle with too. Like, I never really know whether I'm expecting too much Mm. or if this actually is just the norm because we really don't know. And I know there's no set formula for relationship, but I feel like there's, there's a general baseline of like what is healthy and what's not. And because no one really has insight into what a, a healthy functioning relationship looks like outside of what your parents' relationship is, we all have different ideas of what normal is and that can drive us all mad. I think that's why, because friendships aren't monogamous. Like we all, we'll all have one big ass group of friends. So we we're all pretty clear on like what friendship entails, but we're all very unclear about what romance entails. And that makes us really anxious and that gives us really weird ways of showing our love to people and really weird expectations. And also I find that the motivation for having more friends is generally positive. Like I want, yes. I want to be someone to do stuff with. I want community. Like I want to be looked after. I want to nurture. Like it's very, it's quite clear. And I think the expectations for friendship are also clear. Like, you know, even yeah. though it's hard to really quantify what is a good friend, what is a bad friend. Generally, if someone is your close friend, your good friend, your best friend, you are both aware what, of what the roles are for each of you and then you fulfill them Mm. and very well like i don't with my close close friends i don't need to check them i don't need to remind them the way i want to be treated because there's a mutual stake yeah and i feel like we there's it's unwritten that like we both need to invest for this to work and i think when you know you've been like the more negligent friend it's very easy to pull yourself up and be like okay i gotta i gotta put in some work however with relationships and i'll speak for myself and like some of my close friends it's very easy to navigate a relationship through fear shame and insecurity and yes nobody wants to be like i get the question a lot in my dms as well how do you like how do you make sure you're the person who you know isn't the one that's more in love because so much about romance yeah. is like tit for tat competition like you love me more <laughs> people but gamify you said I love it. you for, you said I love you first you're more keen than me but you're needier than I am but this and that so I feel like people are very mindful of um how much there is to lose if a relationship doesn't work so they start to create mm. mini competitions with their partner you owe me this I was there for you it's tit for tat but I always go to your house but we always hang out with your friends we always go where you want to eat yeah. but what about me and all of a sudden you're fighting against your partner 
you don't do that shit with your friends. It's like, oh, where do you want to wait? Not at what all, because it's not a game. It's not a game, but <laughs> relationships, that shit comes up. And I understand because very few of us have a lot of experience with them. And I mean that in the sense that you could have dated five different people. That's still five people. You've had yeah. hundreds of friends in your lifetime. You have a lot more data about how to navigate those situations a lot more healthily than you do with the relationship. So all that like un all that baggage just comes to the forefront where you're kind of like, am I keeping this person in check because I am secure in what I want or I'm insecure that I've invested it all this time and I won't get what I think I deserve? Ooh, I think it's that. And then I'm going to add on to that as well. I think another reason that we gamify our relationships is because We've been, especially women, we've been conditioned to believe that we need romance, but we we were not conditioned to believe that we need friendships. Mm. So we don't gamify our friendships because the stakes aren't that high. Mm. In this, I mean, they are realistically, but because we don't navigate friendships from a place of scarcity and need, we there's no need to turn it into a competition of who loves who more because there is no winner or loser whereas oftentimes we frame romance as a winning or losing game and there's also this idea that a relationship can't work if the man loves the woman more than she loves him Mm. i mean a relationship can't work if the woman loves the man more than he loves her what do you make of that I answered a question in my DM just recently and I was like, if that's the way you're going to navigate it, then just say that your partner's your enemy and go. <laughs> because <laughs> number one, you could you can't quantify yeah. love and love. loving someone. Like it's just not yes. happening. And Fact. when you start Fact. to, you look for symbols of love and not actual love. And so you start, oh, I learned that one from Bogo. On I learned from Bogo. <laughs> Speak and on so it. Instead, <laughs> of being loving and hoping to navigate this relationship with love, you're looking for these weird banal indicators that somebody loves you. Yeah. Like texting you in the morning is not an indication that I love you. It's an indication that I'm like dexterous and can use my fingers and can type, (laughs) you know, saying, even saying I love you. Twitter will have you thinking. (laughs) Exactly. Twitter will have you thinking that if he doesn't send you a good morning text, then he doesn't love you. And it's like, what do you mean? It, That's not love at all. Like, it doesn't what? add up. And so, yeah, number one, you can't quantify what love is. And when number two, when you start to quantify what you think love is, you start to um, pigeonhole somebody's behavior based on this really one-dimensional mm. way of how you see things. And people make the mistake, not the mistake, but people make the human error of um, – using their own behavior as a benchmark for everyone's behavior. So because you don't express love the way I express love, then you don't love me. Or your love isn't as potent as my love is. Therefore, you know, this, this can't be a real thing. So like, I just don't get the advice. And it's like, I don't know. I, I just feel like if you're in a position where you feel like you have one up on someone, then you're going to exploit that power in some way. Yeah. Like as soon as you're really conscious of this person will do what I want when I want because they love me more than I love them. How can you not Jeff Bezos them? How can you Literally, not? Literally, it's not, you cannot like capitalism and love cannot coexist. <laughs> you cannot commodify and capitalize your relationship. <laughs> I also think power and love cannot coexist. And that's why like we really, something that makes romance really hard is that 
it's really hard to separate capitalism from your romantic relationships, from love. Because we navigate everything from this capitalist mindset of there's a winner, there's a loser, there's profit and there's loss. You know, like there's one-upping, it's a game. That's very much ingrained in us from capitalism. But you have to explore and navigate love outside of that lens and outside of that box. Or else... How can it not be JeffBezos.com? <laughs> like, how can that ever? I guess what's tricky also about this is, so Flex, if you and I are dating and I tell you that I love you, but you don't feel loved, mm. is that love still valid? It's 100% yeah. valid. But how you choose to acknowledge the, the validity of that <laughs> is your business also. Yeah. And I think that's mm. where we all struggle to express love in the way that the other person needs it, not the way we're happy yeah. to give it, you know? I mean, I, that's the most thing. of the time I don't have the range to love the way people want me to love them. I'm like, of course I'm going to be tough with you. Of course I'm going to be honest. <laughs> of course I'm going to say how I feel. People don't need that shit from me. They just want to be yeah, soft, yeah. hugs, pictures of puppies, you know what I mean? Food <laughs> delivered, and then maybe a, a, a massage. They don't need the extra. And yet I'm relentless. (laughs) So that's the thing. We struggle. And sometimes I wonder, like it's, I think you mentioned it earlier. Like when you, when you fight, when you try so hard to go against your base nature to, to do something that benefits somebody else when we're talking about love. So like if my partner needs to do something that I find completely difficult and unnatural, do I do it? knowing that I am almost like not going against my nature or do I, do I like quote unquote stay true? Mm. And I think time and age will tell us that because I feel like, um, yeah, the more I like date and the more I sort of listen to the experiences of people around me, you start to become like every year we get a little bit more smarter about what it is to love, what it is to be a good partner and also the expectations of those things. Um, and I think if you're under the age of 30, you're still juvenile in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, yeah, fine. So, <clears throat> and there's so much life experience we haven't had. There's so, there's so many ways that we haven't learned to show up for other people because we don't have to. Ooh, when you're in your family dynamic, yes. living at home, like with your siblings or not, you are honestly forced to show up. Your mom says clean, <laughs> so you clean. Your dad says do this, so you do this. Your sibling says help me lie, so you help them. You're constantly showing up. Even when you're in high school, like your friend says let me copy, so you let them copy. Your teacher says I need you to do this, so you pass, so you do it. And that kind of responsibility right. fades into adulthood where nobody needs anything from you. You do it or you get fired. Literally. You do it or you don't eat. You do it or you don't have friends to hang out with. So I think the Literally. motivations are a Literally. little bit different. So it's it's hard to kind of pull yourself in and be like, okay, maybe I do need to show up for people. Maybe I do need to try a little bit harder. Maybe I don't inherently know how to love, but I have to learn. The same way it yeah, takes and you 3,000 hours, 10,000 hours to learn how to play the flute. You need that many hours to learn to love. And we're like, hmm, but I swiped right three times. Where is the <laughs> love of my life? Where is he? Where is he at? <laughs> yeah, I do think we're a bit lazy when it comes to love. I also think it's because, and we've talked about this before, that love is an action and not a feeling. Mm. And how like, when you really frame love as just a feeling, it's so easy to be lazy about it. Yeah. Because love is 
by definition, just an extension of yourself. It is the act of extending yourself for someone else and for you. Mm. That's what Scott And Peck we're just said, not taught to do that. Didn't Bell Hooks reference that in All That Love? I think Scott Peck, yes. Scott Peck was saying, like, love is the will to extend yourself for somebody else. Um, to nurture like their own growth and development. Yes, yes. And yours too. I think mm-hmm. uh, what Bell Hooks was saying too is that there's a difference and this is where there's a difference between emotionally investing yourself in someone versus loving someone. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to conflate the two. Like you'll think that just because someone is emotionally invested in you that they love you and it just doesn't work that way. Because mm-hmm. if they're not actively loving you like extending themselves for your growth and their own growth how is that love this got deep so quickly you know we out here learning we're evolving we read all day (laughs) yeah everyone go read all about love by bell hooks get your life yeah i mean um or if anything i was thinking the other day about how um I want to do a lot more reading. So I keep buying mm. ebooks and starting them and then realizing that I don't have the capacity to read 400 pages of this book. And so I stop. Yeah. Um, and then thought to myself, well, why don't I use audiobooks? Like the amount of like audible ads that I've heard and not used audible, it would make my life so I much know. easier because I, I stay listening to the podcast. So why don't I just listen to Same. a podcast book? It would really save my money. So I think I'm going to start doing that and then I can like soak in some more information and pass it on. Yeah, I think so too. Because I've also just run out of podcasts to listen to. Like, bitch, I listened to this and I said what I said. And that's pretty much, that's it. So yeah, in between that, I definitely need me some some audiobooks. Um, We have a question here. Why is friends with benefits seen as something that's degrading towards women? Ooh, what do you think of that? Listen to our hookup episode. Yeah. I think we talked about it at length and it's probably one of the best episodes we've ever done. I don't know what it's called. Let me Google it. It's called Hookup Culture, Dating Etiquette, Soul Ties. And we talked Mm. about um, why hookup culture. I mean, friends with benefits is slightly different. But yeah, I think the issue, the consideration for all of these like relationships that aren't monogamous, traditional, conventional relationships is that we have a very misunderstood and flawed idea of what they could be. And so we navigate them mm. with that same misdirection in mind. So friends with benefits what do you can mean? totally be healthy and it can totally be right for your certain situation. But historically we've seen it presented as somebody is interested in somebody else. Somebody knows they can capitalize on, you know, the intimacy and the sex and they both feign interest or lack of interest for the benefit of getting right. regular sex. Right? Yeah. So we know that's yeah. unhealthy. And when you say friends with benefits, I'm assuming you mean the way it's historically been presented. If you have a healthy friends with benefit dynamic, go for it. Similarly to um uh like hookup culture. Historically, if you want to break it down, we can see the ways that it hasn't benefited women. If you want the detailed list, yeah. it's, it's on the episode. But if you're in a dynamic that works for you and it's not, and we need to make the distinction between you enjoying it versus this benefits me. 
Because the two that shouldn't always that's be conflated. So yes, you can yeah. enjoy friends with benefits. You can enjoy hookup culture. You can enjoy non-monogamy. But does it benefit you? Can enjoy you. all this, but does it benefit you? And if you're not looking for beneficial interactions, then don't worry about it. Then what are you doing? <laughs> but also, like, how could you not be? Like, what are you actually doing? I don't know. I think that question also rests on a larger question of... Because we tend to frame hookup culture as something that's liberating and empowering for women. But if hookup culture is still designed by and for men, then how does that liberate or benefit women? Like, how does women's sexuality look like within a system of the male gaze, of male ownership, of capitalism? Because the the two... All like all of these things intersect. Like hookup culture doesn't exist outside of the patriarchy. So how could it really benefit women? Hmm. And I just don't think to say that like, oh, because you're choosing it. Like, I just don't think that's enough of like a nuanced answer. But I also think some people are just interested in enjoyment. And I like, that's also valid. If, if you're looking for, because I think, um, thinking about whether or not things are beneficial is long-term and it's all-encompassing, it's full circle. So it's like mental, physical, spiritual, that's beneficial. Enjoyment, from my understanding, seeks to fulfill one need at one time for one specific reason, you know? And so if that's what what you need to do, that's what you need to do, I'm fine with it. I think also this idea of friends with benefits leads me to think that we need to start using precise language because friends with benefits tells me nothing about your dynamic. There is nothing inherently wrong with friends with benefits, but there might be something wrong with your dynamic with your friend that you're sleeping with. (laughs) Um, and like mm, there's, really, I get what you mean. We really don't gain anything by speaking in like vague terms to quickly communicate something that's quite like specific. Your situation is specific. Use specific words. Like, even when people talk about, like, he ghosted me, did he ignore you completely after one text? Was it after a one-year relationship? Was it after no communication? Did the conversation fade or, like, was it cut? Like, these are all things that are quite integral to understanding the situation. So I do it myself. I catch myself saying, like, what is it that I'm actually getting at here? What words am I using to communicate what I actually mean? Instead of trying to find a really concise way to get the point across. And that's why I'm that's always real. making the distinction between like platonic relationship, like romantic relationship, an emotional relationship, a familiar, because it matters. Not just, I was in a relationship. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> and what was that person like? And what does that entail? And, and, and. And, and, and. Yeah, that's, that's very true. I think also, yeah, like you said, I think if we're, if we're talking about hookup culture and friends with benefits, it's important to really recognize like are you looking for short short term or long-term benefits because the two are very different and short-term benefits generally they tend to negate long-term benefits so it's really just important to think of that but there's also the there's a larger question around feminism of like is your individual if your individual enjoyment is at the detriment of the larger community's collective progression then like is that ethical should you still be engaging do you know what i mean Mm, like what do you think of that we talked about it after the episode we did um 
a few weeks ago and I asked people on my Instagram story, is feminism a community practice that serves the individual or an individual yeah. practice that serves community? And the majority said an individual practice. So the while the points you were making on that podcast episode were so interesting that people have chosen to identify with feminism um, as a current practice or as a way to communicate mm. their ideals instead of a vehicle for change, that also, um, that also shows you why where we're at yeah where we're at and why we can't expect um every feminist to be for for the fems because they're not like every from not to say my poll is a is a sample size of the world but i was reading that a sample size only needs to be 200 for it to be considered a research study so like if i'm getting how he's getting five thousand responses i'm gonna say it's more legit oh yeah than whatever listen. fucking studies being posted on like buzzfeed but um yeah so if of five thousand people roughly 80 percent say it's an individual practice for the greater community then you have to realize that we're not all for all like we're all for yeah, all if it not. suits us <laughs> We're all for those who think and act and believe the things that we do. Like us. Yeah. yeah. And we're also just like, we're also inherently self-serving. And and this is why I don't think feminism and capitalism can coexist. Because capitalism is inherently self-serving, whereas the idea of feminism is inherently collectivist and inherently democratic and all for all. So I I do think we have to, we just have to make that choice. Like, which one are we going to take and let's keep it pushing. Mm. And so I do think in this case with feminism and hookup culture, I think you it just comes down to you have to choose between do you want your own individual enjoyment or do you prioritize the progress of the collective? Mm. And I think as a collective, we've chosen our own individual enjoyment. Period. And that's just what it is. I refuse to feel yeah. bad. uh this one might be a good one to end on yeah um this person wants advice for young girls who find it hard to trust men's intentions which i think is so funny all of us because my mom used to say like periodically probably after i got my period for the first time that men only want women for one thing and you got to be skeptical Mm. be careful yeah you know what i mean yeah there are there are a few good ones out there, but most of them, like you can't trust. Are them. trash. So yeah. naturally, I don't trust people. <laughs> <laughs> um, Same, but we all grew up being told that. Yeah, you know? uh, and part of it, I think, is an unhealthy distrust, and part of it is a very healthy distrust because experience begets like like the way yeah. I perceive yeah. things. You know, <laughs> so people display but you don't want to be prejudiced to men so we're not going to do all that stuff but i can see why it'd be difficult to distrust men uh not all men but um (laughs) i the way you said that (laughs) i care what i also want people to realize is that when i'm assuming that when people reference um their experience with men they've also kind of um appropriated the experience they've seen other women have with men because you can't really choose what feeds your skepticism so like if i'm having a great time with the men i'm dating but the hundred women around me are having a terrible time i'm going to eventually feel a little bit skeptical of what i'm not seeing right you know i might not feel skeptical of the men but i might feel skeptical of my own judgment why is it me that's finding a good time what's happening here 
So I understand. What am I not seeing? What am I not seeing? How I'm being played? Am I being manipulated? What's going on? I get it. Um, The first way to deal with that is to, I guess, start viewing people as individuals, which sounds really tricky Mm. because it's so easy to refer to people, refer to individuals as the collective, as we've said with this, like you, like the men you deal with aren't the men I deal with. So therefore it's not, I'm not giving you advice on men, but the advice is what skills can you implore so you're having a better time with men? I would like with all things interrogate what the distrust is because I don't think the distrust is universal. I know a lot of people who don't trust that men will stay faithful to them. I Mm. am quite trusting of that. Like I, it would never occur to me to think that somebody's cheating on me. Maybe I should. I don't know. You know? Yeah. Like I don't, I don't distrust people to, um, to stay in a like, I'm not. I'm not fearful that someone's going to leave me and up and go. I'm like, I'm quite secure yeah. in the fact that if you say you're going to stay, you're going to stay. Like, I'm not fearful of that. But you might be. Right. So I feel like the advice isn't about like how do you not how do you trust men more, but how do you understand what your distrust of men is about, and then un- interrogate yeah. that right. And also interrogating if that do you distrust your judgment or do you tr- distrust men? Because oftentimes we conflate the two. Um, and I think when I, I think now I'm a lot more trusting of men. But when I think back to the days when I thought everyone was scum and vermin, I it wasn't so much men that I distrusted more than it was my own judgment. I didn't trust that I had the intuition, you know, that I had good judge of character enough to pick someone that wouldn't fuck me over. Mm. And so I think when you trust yourself first and foremost, it's so much easier to trust men. So it, like everything else in life, it starts with yourself. Like, do you trust yourself to pick someone who's loving and nurturing and not trash and compassionate? You know what I mean? Like, if you trust yourself enough to do that, if you trust your judgment, if you trust your intuition, you will be fine, you know? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's a tricky one. I was Googling the definition of distrust to see if I use it the way it's intended because there's distrust and mistrust. And I was like, fuck, what's the difference? Well, distrust is the feeling that someone or something cannot be relied upon. So I just distrust people generally. That's not specific to men, but I get it. (laughs) Well, hoes are fickle. Absolutely. And then a mistrust is a lack of trust, but also suspicion. Which suspicion is tricky because oh. you know how are you, how are you supposed to shake that if you're sus you're <laughs> sus it's it's a plague it like it infects you and it affects the way you see everything yeah ooh that's so interesting mm. and I would say like if it's mistrust we're talking about like how to um like deal with your mistrust of men then rationally I think that thinking, is what it is then you would have to just keep engaging with men. And see if your mistrust is valid or invalid, right? Yeah, I think I think that is what it is. Because I think fundamentally the question is, how do I date men when I know men are trash? Mm. You know, like that's fundamentally what the question is. And I think the only way to do that is to keep dating men. Because the more men you date, the more you'll realize that actually they're just, some are bad, some are good. And it just, it is what it is. Um, and the more you date, cause I think dating is, 
dating is really about knowing your audience <laughs> and the more you date the more you know your audience you just get better at it with practice and with time and with experience which is why if you really want to get good at dating and by good I just mean you do it it's something that's not stressful for you you just have to allow yourself to get heartbroken a couple of times until you're not scared of getting heartbroken again and you can allow yourself to love fully without fear and to be vulnerable without fear because it's only when you do that that you'll find the quality gems it's like with most things like you don't really know and you can't um you can't evolve your belief unless you do and try like some things you can just like do from the comfort of your own home in your own room in your own time but most (laughs) things you need to get out of that space and like go forth and then use the results to feed back into why you believe certain things um yeah yeah that is tricky but um, also Bob and I talk quite a, a lot about um like self-fulfilling prophecies and I do believe in the power of the tongue in manifesting in willing certain things into your life um um and I don't know what you know what's that theory like you know like if you if you talk about like the number six and you start seeing sixes everywhere if you talk about like yellow mm. cars you start seeing yellow cars everywhere if you like what you what you allow your brain to focus on your brain will focus on there's also something called the home um is it called the home yeah homeostatic impulse is what it's called let me just double check that because it's super interesting and i feel mm. like this will help homeostatic yeah the homeostatic impulse and essentially it's um it's this thing in your brain that recognizes patterns and once it recognizes those patterns it puts it on a loop um for you automatically so your brain doesn't have to think consciously to do it so when you're in homeostasis it's like homeostasis is the reason why you don't have to think to uh to blink or to breathe or to keep your heart beating mm. or to keep your blood flowing your brain recognizes that pattern from time and now just does that shit for you but the active homeostasis also works with your this thought, is so fascinating yeah with your thought patterns and stuff so um when people say like thoughts become things and you have to be mindful of why it's not because it's some witch who's like casting spells it's yeah. because if you are consciously and because your homeostatic impulse is based on your subconscious when you are consciously thinking things let's say you're like um men will cheat men will cheat men cheat men mm-hmm. have the propensity to cheat men are cheaters whether or not you want to, your brain is more complex than you are. So it'll recognize that pattern. Men, cheat, cheat, men. And your subconscious mm. is like, oh, wait, I don't want sis to keep working like this. She's got to relax. Let's take some of the pressure off her. So it'll take that, put it on loop. So while you're sleeping, while you're resting, while you're working, while you're running, while you're doing all your shit, that shit just stays on the loop. And before you know it, mm. it's more real than not because your subconscious is consuming that information just as they're consuming reminders for you to breathe and eat and think. You know what I mean? That is so, so fascinating. When we say like these things to be self-fulfilling prophecies, it's not to threaten you to think differently about what you know to be true. It's to remind you that if you don't know things are true and you are consciously telling your brain to process them as fact because your brain can't tell the difference between what you're actually seeing and what you're you're what you're telling your mind that you believe you know what i mean my brain doesn't know the difference between a dream i had or a conversation i had give it a few months it's all the same you know so you must be mindful of what you feed your brain with so while you 
it, and it also makes you think like, is your mistrust or distrust of men based on experience or what you've internalized from anything yeah, over time? When I went to uh, an energetic healer a couple of months ago, she was telling me that, and I've spoken about it before, but she was telling me that I have to be mindful of the media I consume because I like dramatic fucking media. I like thrillers. <laughs> I like watching real dramatic story Same. times on YouTube. I like listening to people's dramatic podcast episodes. I love when people tell me that gossip i'm in it like i want to hear it yeah you love the drama i love the drama i don't want the drama for myself i'm like i'm i'll be the first to, to, to screen a message or to block a bitch who's talking too much you know what i mean or yeah, bringing too much yeah. negativity into my life but all that stuff your body has to internalize it somewhere and you can't pick what your body internalizes as trauma or like or damage you know you just hope that it goes to the right place and it's stored where it's supposed to be stored or it's expelled when it needs to be expelled you know so as you're sitting here consuming the drama, consuming the tea, consuming this girl's story time about the time she was cheated 6,000 times, like, you know. I think about what's happening in your, your subconscious. Your brain's like, great. Like, um, girls like drama and drama is entertaining. So maybe I will seek drama for you. Look, the brain yeah, is a crazy place. Literally. The brain is so wild. <laughs> The brain is fucking crazy. This is also how like binaural beats works. This is how meditation works. Mm -hmm. Like all of these things. Wow. And there it is. I think we can end on that question (laughs) on that note. (laughs) So watch your thoughts because thoughts do become things. Your fears do become self-fulfilling prophecies. And it's a lot easier to manifest your fears than your hopes and ambitions. So definitely keep that in mind. And thank you guys for listening. These were such good questions. Our next Q&A episode will be asked. We'll just be addressing general questions about anything and everything. Um, But this was good. We should do a sex Q&A soon. We should. Like just purely. Yeah. So (laughs) send us your sex questions. In the Facebook group, that's where we collate all of our questions. So if you want to be more involved and you would like to be an active participant in the podcast, please join our Facebook group. The dis- the link is in the description box. Follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, on YouTube, on every single platform as Bobo and Flex. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. 